The theme of investing in key life skills rather than leaving things to chance comes up again in one of the most important areas of life, relationships, when I speak with Amanda Lambros, one of Perth's most prominent relationship counsellors, coach and public speakers. Amanda puts forward with simple, humorous, yet painfully obvious clarity at times how at no point are we taught the foundations of how to hold and navigate ourselves within our relationships, and this is set against the context of increasing divorce rates. She shares some of the key elements and steps of the relationship foundations that not only bring more connection and meaning to our life, but can also extend our life too. This episode is packed full of value. We go into various areas including dealing with transitions in life, the importance of being the best you in your relationship, why date night is cheaper than divorce, and how to deal with individual growth. It's absolutely packed from start to finish. It was an absolute true pleasure to tap into Amanda's wealth of knowledge, and she's a wonderfully engaging speaker, which I believe plays a key part in her delivering her message and getting her impact across. So enjoy Amanda. Hello and welcome back to WA Real. I'm your host, Bryn Edwards. Relationships are the focus area we're going to deep dive into today with my guest, Amanda Lambrose. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hey, Bryn. Thank you very much for coming. Thanks for having me. I've been super excited to um, have this conversation since I saw you at TEDx. It's uh, like quite a while ago now. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I feel like a kid in a sweet shop. A kid in a sweet shop with so many questions. Awesome. All about relationships. So that's cool. But one of the first questions I always ask my guests is how they came to be in Western Australia. Um, so you're originally from Canada. Yep. Whereabouts? Windsor, Ontario. So about oh. four, four and a half hours south of Toronto, right on the border of the US. So I kind of have a little bit of an American twang, even though I've been here like 18 years. Um, so yeah, so I'm right on the border. So if you were, if you're familiar with Perth and you're standing in like South Perth, looking at Perth across the river, that's as far as I am away from the US. Right. Yeah. So I'm really a border city girl. There you go. And then you came here to Western Australia in 2001. Yep. To study forensic sexology. Yes. At Curtin. Yeah. I did my master's degree in forensic sexology. So that's got a few questions. First off, (laughs) um, why here? It was the only place in the world that offered the degree. So I really, really wanted to do that degree in particular. I was really interested in doing like forensic psychology. And when I typed in forensic psychology all those years ago, back into Google, forensic sexology came up and I went, no. And I was so excited because uh, human sexuality was one of my highest grades in my undergrad course. And Mm -hmm. I thought, what better than studying sex? And then I looked up the program and it was a real program and it sounded, the curriculum sounded amazing. And then I looked up the university, Curtin University, to make sure it was a real university, <laughs> and it was. <laughs> and then um, I like one of those ones you see <laughs> yeah. the junk mail. From, exactly. I'm like, oh, is this one of those Dodge <laughs> ones? You know, I was like, oh, I don't know. And then I looked up the staff who were running the program and their reputation, and I was like, oh my god, this is fully legit. So I told my parents about it, and my mom said, well, let's, you know, if you want to check it out, let's take a flight to Australia and check it out, and and go from there. And I went, yes done so oh, great parents. i came here i know and then you've stayed here yeah uh i finished Tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> so i had all intention of being here for 18 months finishing my degree my master's degree and then going back to canada and you know continuing on a life in canada 
and I finished my degree on a Wednesday went out partying with my roommate on Friday to just celebrate that I had finished and I had two months left up my sleeve to just travel around Australia as you do yeah. and just check out the sites so here we are at the bar on a Friday night and I was scoping out some of the delectable men who happened to be there and I scoped out my husband and I just kind of like my eyes landed on this guy and everybody else kind of disappeared in the room and I was like I need to go and talk to him and my roommate said I don't know who he is but the guy standing next to him stood up in my first wedding like he was a I don't know groomsman or something yes. like that she's since been divorced but she's okay. like I know the guy standing next to him and I'm like, perfect, <laughs> let's go. So as we were walking towards them, I could see the look on the friend's face of like, oh my God, I don't want to see her. And so I just beeline towards the guy I wanted to see. And I was like, hi, I don't know him. My name's Amanda. Who are you? <laughs> and we just started talking there and hit go. it off. And then um, about a week later, so we went our separate ways. I got a handshake from him. Not really what I was expecting. Um, but he's a really great kind of country boy at heart and total gentleman. So about a week later, he sent me an email and said, would you like to get together for a drink or dinner in the city or, you know, whenever sometime this weekend? And I'm like, yes, yeah. yes, I will move Very mountains to hang out with you. And I did. And we just hung out. So instead of me traveling for two months, I just hung out with him for two months. And that was it. And then at the end of the two months was Christmas. So I was going back to Canada for Christmas because that's when I was meant to like move back. And instead of bringing any of my stuff back with me, I think I got onto the airplane with like a carry on and that's it. And then landed. I said to him, I said, oh, I've got to go back for Christmas. Would you like to come with me? And he's like, yeah, I'd love to, you know, spend Christmas in Canada, have a Canadian Christmas. And uh, so we went back and I think my parents picked us up at the airport. And my mom had one look at him and went, so you're never coming home, are you? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, I'm so glad you know. <laughs> brilliant. So yeah, that's so that's, that's how it all happened. And then... Uh, how come she stayed here though and didn't go to Canada? Um, because this is an island and it's hot. And after growing up in Canada, the first thing you want to do is escape and go somewhere warm. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm all about islands and heat. And uh, this kind of seemed to have both of those <coughs> things. Mm. Yeah. And would we go back to Canada? Um, no. And is Canada stunning and beautiful? Yes. Do we go back very regularly because I have my parents' only grandchildren in this country? Yes. <laughs> but other than that, I wouldn't I wouldn't live over there. I just I can't stand cold weather. Do you consider yourself a proud West Aussie? I am. I am. And I had a little sand groper, so one of my kids was born in Queensland and the other one was born here in WA, but I'm definitely I'm West Aussie at heart. Support all the local teams. Definitely an Eagles girl instead of a Fruno girl. <laughs> yeah, <that's all> right. <laughs> yeah definitely support the eagles and a whole bunch of other west australian teams so yeah awesome yep so um you've been built a successful career as a, a relationships counselor coach public speaking on it which is yep. where i found you um just found you <laughs> um you're also the current president of the marriage and relationships um, educators of Western of Australia. Of Australia, yeah. yeah. So there's a big focus on relationships. Huge focus on relationships. There's got to be a why behind that. What um, is the why? I think for me, I started out, I got um, my bachelor 
I had some uh, counseling in there and I have a master's of counseling as well. So I have kind of a lot of academic background to me mm. and most counselors start out the same. We look at people with depression, anxiety, mm. and it's, it's kind of nice. And, but I like a challenge. So I was like, why am I just dealing with one person when I could deal with two? So give me a challenge and give me two. Because what I would find is that people would individually come in to see me, but the majority of the time they wanted to talk about the impact on their relationship. Mm -hmm. And I thought, okay, so I've got the counseling background. I've got the sexology background. Yeah. Yeah. My focus really is on couples and maintaining relationships and understanding how communication and relationships work. And we have a ridiculously high divorce rate and it's not needed. Mm. And my, I'm not like pro marriage, pro divorce, anything like that. To me, it's as long as you're the happiest version of yourself and you have the happiest relationship for you, mm. that's my aim. That's like, if you are happy in yourself and have a really great relationship, that's what I'm looking for. Mm. So yeah, the focus really kind of shifted into two and couples and how to make it work. And then I just did a lot more training in relationship stuff mm. and relationship techniques and therapies and stuff like that and loved it mm. and just found my niche. And it just makes sense to me. You came from, you yourself came from like a mom and dad together and no, no. no um so my grandparents I wondered whether there was any deeper drive to it, it probably my grandparents <laughs> which is kind of one of the things i mentioned in my ted talk yeah. my grandparents had been together forever like literally until they both died they yeah. were together through like thick and thin horses yeah absolutely and it was legitimately heaps of ups and downs heaps of you know mm. transitions in life and all that and they stuck it out and made it work. You know, it wasn't just like, I'm going to take the easy way out. I'm just going to divorce you, live on my own. Like it was none of that. It was, okay, here's another transition in life. How do we face this? And here's mm. another one. And how are we going to navigate this and all that kind of stuff? And then um, my original parents, so my biological birth parents, um, my parents got divorced when I was less than a year old. And I lived with my mom and kind of didn't see my dad at all. So my, I call him my biological sperm because to me, that's pretty much all he was there for. Mm -hmm. My mom remarried when I was four years old and that's who I call my dad. And yeah. he's been there my whole life. Like yeah. he's, he left his business. So he was a business owner. My mom's a business owner and he left his business because he really just wanted to stay at home and raise kids. Yeah. And I, I am the kid. <laughs> That's it. Um, so he stayed at home and he raised me and it was awesome because he's this really cool Greek guy who um, do doesn't have many cooking skills. <laughs> so very regularly he um, would make skillets of food that he'd open like uh, baked beans, a can of baked beans and sausages and cut up the sausages and fry them up. And then if you crack an egg over it, obviously it tastes good so it was like <laughs> every meal my dad would make would be like here comes a skillet and here comes a few eggs yeah it'll be great <laughs> so i remember just saying to my mom like can we just order out tonight like dad's cooking again <laughs> mm. but other than that yeah so he was there and he raised me my whole life so that's my dad yeah and uh mom's been around forever and they're still together which right. is cool. And I've so seen two solid examples, there. two solid examples. And they've had major ups and downs, uh, personal illnesses, family death, all that kind of stuff. And I've just seen, you know, you kind of, you tough it out and you do what you need to do 
to focus on the relationship and get through it. Mm. So I think and is that's... That, is that part of the impact of what you want to get across in your work? Yeah, I think for me, the biggest impact is that I was looking at why divorce happens. Like why, or even why separation happens. Why does separation or divorce or, you know, mm. not wanting to be with someone after 15 years? Like why do you just wake up one day and go... I don't want to be with someone. I'm over this. Yeah. Well, it turns out you don't just wake up one day and go, I'm over it. You kind of go, well, this has been going on for 12 to 18 months and I've made subtle little drop hints and nothing has changed. Mm. But those subtle little drop hints actually should be conversations and yes. they're not. And that's the biggest problem in relationships is that we're not taught how to have a relationship. No. We're, you know how to have a relationship based on your experience. Guess what your experience is? Whoever you were raised with. Yes. So your parents or your caregivers. And in some circumstances, if you had like whoever your best friend was growing up, you went over to their house and you saw how their parents were. Yes. And so then you might have had a secondary version if their parents were a little different to yours. And you're like, oh, so that's how it's done here. Huh, okay, my parents do that a little bit different or, you know, that kind of thing. But we're not, we don't go to school to learn how to be in a relationship or how to be a husband had, or a wife or a partner. I had uh, exactly this couple of weeks ago with um, Wayne Bradshaw from The Fathering Project, who basically said, if you needed to learn marketing at work, you'd go learn marketing. If you need to learn project management, you go and learn project management. Yep. When do you go and just pick up basic fathering skills? You kind of don't. However, there are courses available right. and people don't go to it. I, so here's the conversation I was having maybe about three weeks ago with a girlfriend. And I said, you know, these Lamaze class people, somehow they've cottoned on to the market and they've got a great sell in it because, oh, like um, pregnancy class, yes. right? Yes. So you have these pregnancy class. You get pregnant. First thing, the doctor, the nurse, the midwife, the whoever you're dealing with in your medical go treatment says, sign up for the class. Spend your 200, 300, 400, who knows how much it is now. Spend your money and go to this class so you learn how to give birth. But the irony is your body already knows how to do that. Right? <laughs> okay. But I can say that with 99% surety, there's probably at least 75% of everyone I know has paid for that class and gone to do it. Yeah. Right? So you get pregnant. You get told, go and do the class. You go... Of course we have to do that. We haven't done that before. We haven't birthed a baby before. Let's go to a class and learn how to do it. So you go and you learn how to do it. And then out comes the day that, oh, well, I'm feeling that labor pain. Let's go to the hospital. Let's say this. Oh, this is <coughs> totally different to what we potentially learned in class. But at yes. least we have some foundation to go by. Yes. And then the next day, your parents, or that day, your parents. Yeah. And then you don't have any parenting skills. Oh, yeah. You're right. Like, you learned how to give birth, and then yeah. that's it. You didn't learn how to be a parent. So then what's your next thing? You should learn how to become a parent. And there's lots of courses and stuff available out yeah. there. And how, in my view, there's lots of great courses for couples, and it's called, like, um, bringing baby home, or when two become three. Hmm. Because your relationship transitions a huge amount once you hmm. have a kid. And then transitions again if you have multiple kids or like a second kid or a third kid. Um, but when it comes to relationships, hi, I meet you at a bar. Let's sh share a drink. Yeah, yeah, Let's go home for a shag. Yeah. yeah, my friend introduced me to you. Whatever it might be, 
Going for shag. Yeah, yeah, let's go for shag. Oh, look, here's a pretty ring. I said I do. We go to a church. We hang out at a park and say our I do's in a park. Whatever your situation is. And then you jump into a relationship with someone that you really kind of don't know. And make it work for the next 50 years. <laughs> Bullshit. Like, it's ridiculous. But there is relationship classes. Mm. People just don't go. Mm. And I know exactly why people don't go. Well, we're going to dive into this in a minute. But okay. Because, right. There's a foundational question I want to ask first. Ooh. Because relationships are part of, part of almost like the four big games we play in life. There's relationships, our health, our business, or our production, and yep. our connection to something bigger than ourselves. Cool. Yeah. So that, and that's kind of what I've noticed through doing through doing a bit of reading and also through just sitting across the, looking across the podcast and going, hey, if I had to categorize them, which I'm doing for a website, yeah. how would I put them together? And then all of a sudden, those, uh. those, they jumped out. And I was like, oh, wow, yeah, there you go. Funny that. So relationships, right. So, and we're often described as, we are social animals and stuff like this, right? What, why? What, what is it we actually get out of them? What are we supposed to get? What do we think we're supposed to be getting out of them? What do they give us? Okay, so way back in the day from Cause, history, cause, you kind of came together in a relationship really to procreate. That, yeah. That's what it was there for. It's, yeah. If you think hunter, excuse me, hunter-gatherer mentality, <laughs> we're going to get together. I'm going to create, like, we're going to create the baby together. I'll hold it. I'll nurture it at home. You go away and you kill the bear and you bring it home for food for us and keep us warm and I'll keep... Uh, having more babies to, you know, make sure the next generation survives type thing. Like that's, that's how it was way back in the day. Now, obviously (laughs) way back in the day. Now relationships evolve and, but fundamentally what we're looking for is companionship. So it's somebody else to share your stories with somebody else to share in life's ups and downs. Yeah, it is. It does still have the fundamental concept of hunter gatherer and protector but those roles aren't necessarily wife stays at home, has babies and, and does that and husband goes away to work. It, those can be completely reversed. Mm. And nowadays there's like husband one stays at home and, and uh, does all the cooking and cleaning and da, da, da. And husband two goes to work. You know, there's so many different ways that relationships are, are created nowadays. Yes. Um, so companionship is one of the biggest ones. Someone to share in life struggles, ups and downs situations. Uh, most problems when you focus, um, like when you hit them head on, if there's two heads thinking about it, it gets solved a little quicker. So problem solving helps with two. And then there's amazing, amazing research that says you're bound to live longer if you're partnered. So you don't have to be married. You just have to be partnered up. Yeah. So as long as you're in a longer term relationship, you live longer. Yeah. Well, essentially, it's what because um, I know what I think, but I well, also know the research. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But in Give reality, it's I'm looking at you every single day. I wake up with you. I go to bed with you. I pay attention to your mood, your behavior, how you physically look. So if you start losing weight, even if it's just gradually over time, I can say like, Bryn, what's going on? Like, you're looking really skinny. Are you eating enough? Are you, you know, if the skin tone of your, your skin changes, I'll notice it. I'll be like, Oh, your skin tone doesn't look Mm. right anymore. What's going, how about we go and see the doctor 
or if you're complaining about something or even if there's even undertones of like anxiety or depression in the conversations you're having with me, I'm more likely as a partner who lives with you day in and day out to say, let's go talk to somebody about that. Yeah, that's not right. Whereas if you're <clears throat> isolated, alone, not partnered, mm. you don't have someone watching your back. So those people tend to actually have shorter lives. Mm, simple. Yeah. And people in relationships, statistically through research, are actually happier. Which is funny because people are like, oh, not in my relationship. We're really unhappy. We conflict all the time. Or, you know, like people say amusing things to me. And oh, I'm, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, even with conflict, yeah. you're in a good, like you're in a happier place than people who are isolated. Yeah. Because you have someone to come home and share stuff with. Yeah. Hmm. So then moving on from that, are we all compatible? Um, so my view is, especially after watching certain television reality shows, uh, you could have a relation if you really wanted and we, to. And when we say relationship, we, we are purely focusing on that close, intimate relationship here. Right? Having a partnership with somebody. Partnership. Yeah. Having a partnership with somebody. And I think the better your partnership, the more likely you are to be intimate. Mm. So, mm. so the better the partnership the more likely you are to be intimate, the better the outcomes of the relationship because it's like it's a closer, deeper connection relationship, right? That yes. starts with communication. And so my view is anybody can be with anybody if they choose to be with anybody. Right. But you have to make the choice and you have to put in the effort. Mm. And so it doesn't have to be like, oh, I found my soulmate and that's the person. I no, you, anybody could be in a relationship with you if you were open enough, open-minded enough, yes, to be in the in the uh, relationship, yes, and to communicate in an open, honest, genuine way with that partner. Mm. So all these reality TV shows where it's like, oh, we're trying to match one person. No, if the people just got over themselves and actually got over themselves, got over okay. themselves, and had yeah. a relationship, learned the fundamental skills yes. of being in a relationship and valuing yourself and somebody else, any relationship could work. Right. But a lot of people don't want to put the effort in. And is there also the stories in there like, like oh, she's got brown hair, I like blonde hair, or... Eh, yeah, short, box I of like dye. Toys. Yeah. No, sorry. <laughs> that's a box of dye if i'm yeah, a blonde yeah, yeah. and you really like brunettes guess what i can dye my hair yeah, yeah, you yeah. know i can do a box job for 15 dollars, or i can go to a real hairdresser mm. and get it done for 250 yeah and i suppose you say <laughs> the same you know i like a girl with bigger boobs or something like that yeah, yeah. you could get implants done you could you know like go to the gym more there's so many different things that you're like if this is what you like however that's the outside focus Correct, yes. and that's not really what's going to help make a lasting relationship. So I always say to people like, are you looking to have a girlfriend or are you looking to have a wife? Mm. So it's like, are you looking to have a boyfriend or are you looking to have a husband? Because the difference between the two are vastly different. Yes. And so if you go in with a mindset of, I want a girlfriend, it's going to be totally different how you behave in the real relationship, what you say, all that kind of stuff compared to, I want this person to be my wife. Yes. And I suppose there's another little nuance in there of, are you looking forward to your wedding day or are you looking forward to your marriage? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because a wedding day is a day. It's Whereas, an event. Yeah, it's an event. It's like a 30th day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whereas a, an, you know, a relationship or the marriage is 
years and years and years. Yes. And also, are you willing to put in the effort? Because what I find is a lot of people put in a shitload of effort in finding their partner, in courting the person. Like, I put all this effort, oh, I got flowers, I did this, we went here, we went, you know, um, a balloon riding, air, hot air balloon riding. We did all these, oh, wow, cool things when we first met. And we haven't done anything else in 10 years. Oh, awesome. Yeah, I'd want to stay with you. Not. You know, so it's like whatever yeah. effort you put into finding the person, times that by 10. Yes. And keep it going on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. Otherwise... Yeah, your relationship is going to fall into complacency and then mm. separation, divorce. So what then is the spark at the start? Like, you just talked about, oh, I looked across the bar and there's this hunky guy. Like, oh, I need to go and meet him. And then kapow, he's your husband. Exactly. So what's that? But it, it's still like that because I've purposely put effort into it. So right. when I'm at home, I look forward to my husband coming home. I'm like, I can't wait for my little hunky hubby to come home and walk through the door and you know, I'm going to make out with him and all that kind of, like, I legitimately look forward to seeing him every day. Yes. A lot of people don't have that. Is that, is that um, considered effort that then becomes a behavior that then gets momentum and you then... Got it. Yeah. So it's like, I didn't let it wax and wane. I didn't go, ooh, all the sparks in the beginning and then I'll do nothing. Yeah. And then, oh, when the relationship's on the rocks and shit's hit the fan, ooh, now I'll put some effort in yeah, again. Yeah, I'll chuck it back in. No. Know. I put effort in every single day. Every time I see my husband. If he's sitting on the long couch and I'm sitting on the short couch, I kind of look over and go, oh, why am I doing this? No, I have to be aware of my own behavior. I can't sit on this short couch when my husband's on the long couch. I'm going to move over there or I'll say, hey, hun, come and join me on the short couch. You know, like yeah. those kind of things going out of my way as opposed to leaving those thoughts in my head and going, oh, I really wish he was over here with me. Yeah. And well, stewing in your story. Exactly. He, he can't read my mind. He's not a mind reader. He's not a clairvoyant. And even if he was, you should still open your mouth and ask him. So for me, it's, it goes back to communication. Don't just sit there and hope someone hears what's going on in your head. Open your mouth and talk to your partner. So a big part of this podcast is, is exploration. And part of that exploration and curiosity is predicated on the idea that success leaves clues. Yeah. Right. So... What's the most appropriate question to ask here? What makes a great relationship or what fucks them up? Or are they two equally valid questions? I think they're two equally valid questions. I suspected so, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah. So what makes a great relationship is continuous, open, honest, genuine communication between the partners. Knowing that no matter what, when I open my mouth to have a conversation with you, it is not intended to harm you or our relationship. Mm. So if that's your foundation of your relationship, then there's never ever going to be a point in time that you feel that I'm pushing you up against a wall verbally with my words mm. because you recognize that that's not my intent. My intent is to find a way to better our relationship. So I'm going to say something and then we have to work on what's being said as opposed to I'm going to attack you. Mm. Whereas in a lot of relationships, yeah, so I'm going to attack you and then you're going to defend. Yeah. 
or I'm going to feel attacked and so I'm going to defend. And that's that's what really royally fucks up relationships is this attack and defend situation as opposed to understanding that the partner, the person that you've chosen to love the most in the world is not there to attack you. Hmm. And so for me, I think that's the biggest thing. It might trigger you. It might trigger you, but that's based on all your own stuff. That's your shit from your past, your life, who you were raised with, where you grew up, all that Mm. kind of stuff. That's your own crap. Um, And that's where relationship education is so important because it teaches you learn what your stuff is, recognize what your partner's stuff is, And then when your partner or you get triggered about it, have a conversation about it because you have no intent to harm that relationship. Mm. So whereas if you're bringing, I always call it like the veil. If you're bringing your veil of uh, I'm not good enough to Mm. the relationship and the partner makes a comment like I might come home and dishes aren't done, right? So if I say, oh, there's a sink full of dishes again. Now, if you're my partner with a veil of I'm not good enough. Yeah then you start to feel personally attacked. Yeah. I didn't personally attack you. I made a comment about our dishes. Yeah. I didn't say, what the hell? You, you've you been home all day doing podcasts and you haven't done the dishes? What's wrong with you? Those words didn't yeah. come out of my mouth. But because of whatever veil you're wearing, you'll interpret it that way. Mm. And so that's part of relationship education is understanding what veils your part, what you wear and what your partner wears so that you can better understand them. Mm. And to actually ask questions of your partner where a lot of people don't. We make assumptions. Those kill relations. So what royally fucks up a relationship? Assumptions? Yeah. Never make an assumption. What? That, oh, Amanda's always like this. Yeah. Oh, Amanda did that in the past. Therefore, Amanda's going to do that in the future. Yes. No. Or Amanda's mom did something that way. Therefore, Amanda's going to do it. Mm. Not assumption. So never, ever make an assumption. Um... Never ever mind read or hope that someone will mind read you. Like if I just stare at you long enough, hopefully you'll figure out what's in my head. Oh, that great one. If you don't know what's wrong, then I'm just not going to tell you because that makes life worse. (laughs) It's like, like, no. It's like, well, that's that's really fucking helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So that's that's a really, really bad one. Um, And excuses because... When we start out, when you have that spark, when you're meeting someone for the first time, you don't bank on excuses. Like if the boss says to you, um, oh, can you stay late for work tonight? You go, oh, sorry, I've I've actually got this really hot date with this chick I just met. Um, So I'd love to, but I'm not going to because I've got this hot date. And so you would move mountains to be with the person when you're sparking and courting. Mm. And then life gets in the way. And excuses are allowed in. And then it's like, oh, babe, I know we were meant to go to dinner tonight, but I just got to stay at work a little bit later to do X. Yeah. And so it allows excuses to come in. Or, oh, they're just like that because they're a guy. Or they're just like that because... Mm. No, 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 no. No becauses, no excuses. Those things kill relationships. Mm. Yeah. Hmm. Reflecting on that. <laughs> um, obviously, to get to that point with clients and, and people, as in, 
crap, it's not it's not me, it's not her, it's our skill set. Yeah. And and at the moment I'm just running off patterns subconsciously and I'm the product of those patterns which I've picked up from mum, dad, auntie, uncle, friend down the road, all of that. Yeah. And then, and then to go, shit, you know, it, it's not just me. It's not, oh, I'm fucking useless at relationships. It's just, you know, I haven't got my skill set down yep. or this, that, and the other. Um, and I'm okay in that. That obviously takes, um, the best word I can come up with, that almost takes a, a point of enlightenment, you know, or a point of awakening to suddenly just go, oh. But it I... shouldn't though, right? No. Let's not bring shred into it just yet. We'll talk, we can bring shred in a minute. Okay. How do you get clients to that point? Because surely that's half the battle, half the work. And then after that, then it's all, right, well, I'm in. Skill me up. Yeah. Um, so unfortunately in Australia, totally understand your question. Unfortunately in Australia, what happens is the point at which someone sees a relationship counselor... Mm. is usually, definitely in my experience, about 18 months after when they should have come in to see me. Yes. So shit hits the fan. It's almost like two weeks to live with stage four cancer. Yeah, pretty much, right? So shit hits the fan 12 to 18 months ago, and you go, I can't live like this anymore. We have to change. Okay, babe, I'll... I'll get the book, I'll watch the YouTube videos, I'll do whatever I need. Like, I'll make a really good effort at changing. So they put some whatever effort, because one of the partners has said, I'm Mm. out. I'm gone, I'm done, this is bullshit. I'm out. Pulling the plug. Yeah. Usually, by that point, they've already had enough. So this didn't happen like Thursday Mm. night and now it's Friday and I'm out. It's, this has been going on long enough. I've dropped those little hints. Nothing's happened. Okay, crisis point. I'm done. This is bullshit. And then someone goes, okay, well, let's get the book. Let's do the video. Let's do da, 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 da. And change occurs for maybe, I'll, I'll give someone a really good effort, maybe a month, maybe yeah. four weeks of effort gets put in because they realize, holy shit, my partner's about to walk out and yeah. my life is going to fundamentally change. Yes. So four weeks of effort and goes then in. And will be desperate. Yeah. So four weeks of effort goes in. Yeah. And then old habits return. So then that goes on for another 12 to 18 months. And then they go, I am out. I am so resentful against you. I have this bent up issue with you. That's just got worse and worse and worse. All of that shit. And they go, I asked you 12 months ago to change. Oh, I did. Yeah. For what? Four weeks. Yeah. And look at where we're at now. So nothing has changed. Mm. That's the point. Oh, yeah. Big time. That's then the point they come in to see me. Yeah. So in reality, you're coming in to see me 18 months way after the point you should have come in to see me. So in some cases by then, I've had a partner who's completely emotionally disconnected. They may have actually already physically separated where they're either sleeping in separate rooms or living in separate houses. Yeah. Let alone emotionally checked out. Yeah, completely. Either emotionally or physically checked out. Mm. Like, no wonder relationship educators and counselors get a bad rap on stuff like that. Yeah. You're not using us for what we're actually there for. You're using us in crisis situation. Hi, try to repair this, you know, the dam. Oh, the Titanic's hit the uh, iceberg. Can, can we put a little Band-Aid on it and see if it works? 
Uh, no. 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 No, no, no. Not when one partner doesn't even want to be here mm. and is totally checked out. So in reality, what should be happening is... Should. Should be happening is when you get into a relationship. So I always compare things to like cars. I, I'm not a car person. Like I own a car, but that's, yeah. <laughs> that's the extent. And I'm not a mechanic. But I know that when I buy a new car, I have to... At 1,500 kilometers, so I have barely even driven my car, but at 1,500 kilometers, you go for the first little, you know, checkup. Yeah. Little twiggy checkup. So it's a, it's not a far distance you've driven, but it's a little quickie checkup. So it's kind of like, okay, so you get into a relationship. Within six months of knowing someone and going, I actually think I, I want a relationship with this person, go and see a relationship educator. Hmm. So you may not educator. be... Exactly. Go and see a relationship educator. So you may not be engaged. You may not be married. You just have the intent to potentially have a relationship with this person. Three to six months in. That's your 1,500 kilometer checkup, right? So you go in and you start to learn from a relationship education perspective how to lay a foundation for a relationship. You start to learn the skills. Yes. Right? Then, like a car, every 15,000 kilometers... You bring the car back in for a checkup, regardless if it needs it, right? Yeah. Same with your relationship. So I always say that's a good three months. So every three months, regardless if things are going great or horrible, go in to see either a relationship educator or a relationship counselor. Yeah. Okay? Because... It's not got the stigma of something wrong. Exactly. It's, you know, everything's going... Yeah. Hey, it's been three months since we've seen you. Everything's going <laughs> great. Nothing's, you know, nothing's yeah, yeah, yeah. major issue and i go oh, wonderful here's a few more strategies yeah to strengthen your relationship for the next three I'm months sure the educator will broken pod prod oh absolutely areas. because people come in and go everything's great, great. And you're like yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> sure <Bollocks>. it is <laughs> 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 however if shit's hit the fan i only have three months of crap to clean up yes right i don't have 18 months or five years of stuff to clean or up 10 or, or 10 exactly i've got three months mm. and then you go okay guys Here's how we clean this up. Here's what you do moving forward. Maybe I see you in two weeks time instead of three months, just until you get this under under wraps. And then you come back in in three months, you know? And that's the same thing with your car. Oh, I ran over a pothole and blew out my tire. Well, Amanda, you're gonna need to replace that one tire. So come back in, we'll replace that one tire. And then in, you know, 15,000 more kilometers, we'll do another checkup. So it's the same kind of thing. Now, the difference between relationships and cars is that in order to buy my first car and drive it, I have to take lessons. Mm. And I got to pass tests. Mm. And I've got to know what the hell I'm doing so that I don't harm anybody else or myself. Personally, should that happen in relationships? Absolutely. You should have to take communication and relationship classes before you get into a relationship while you're in a relationship so that you're not going to harm anybody else or yourself but we don't do that Mm. and that's why i still have a job yes (laughs) yes and i'm okay with that yes but it's down the other end of the scale isn't it yeah not at the front of the scale no and it should be at the front of the scale it really shouldn't be a taboo to say we're going to get relationship education. Yeah. I'm going to driving class, you know. Oh, what are you doing this right, weekend? Yeah. And my, I, I, 
I've, I've never actually come across the name relationship educator or education. Normally it's been counsellor. And counsellor to me usually sounds therapy equals fair. Yeah, <laughs> it, it's scary. It's scary. Yeah. And I think there is definitely, there's a massive difference. So relationship educators are exactly that. We educate people. We have the skills, knowledge, and tools to create the best possible relationship mm. for you in that current relationship. And there's a whole range of them worldwide. But in Australia, we have like the Marriage and Relationship Educators Association of Australia. Mm. There's a huge connection of people across Australia who do this stuff. Use them. <laughs> like They've got the skills. They're great. There's also relationship counselors. Some relationship counselors are relationship educators like myself. So I do both, which is great. Yeah. But when you do get into the counseling mode, it's more like spot fires. We got a few little spot fires that we need to put out first, and then we'll do the education to move forward. Right. Whereas crisis counseling in a relationship is one person has left, one person is completely out. Now we've got to figure out how do we separate? How do we divorce? How do we tell our kids about this? How do we live two separate lives? Whereas in reality, we're, if they have kids, they're still connected for the rest of their life. Hmm. So it's how do we amicably separate in a way that we're still fully involved in each other's lives for the rest of our lives. And there's definitely ways to do that. And better yet, there's couples who have no kids who are just amazing friends and they want the relationship to stay as friends but no longer have an intimate relationship. So it's like, how do I step away from this intimate relationship to really focus on having a valuable friendship with this person hmm. and not destroying our friendship. Yeah, you can do that. And there's people who know how to help you through that. Hmm. I'm one of them. But those are the kind of things that it's like, I really wish that people saw the, the benefit of doing this as opposed to, I'm going to wait till shit hits the fan. And then crisis care, I'm going to Google, you know, potential divorce counseling or who to talk to when my marriage is going to shit counseling. You yes. know, like, that's kind of not the point you should be talking to somebody. If it was your own body, you'd be bits falling off, overweight or whatever. Yeah. At that point. You'd have a car with no tires. How are you getting somewhere? Mm, not so quickly. <laughs> you know, like... So, yeah, it becomes a really big issue. And people come in at that point hoping that I have some magic wand, which I don't have. Hmm. And then hoping that, you know what? And counseling's expensive. Like, don't get me wrong. Relationship education and counseling is expensive. The flip side is how much was your wedding dress? How much did you spend on your wedding? You know, Stinger. like, <laughs> yeah. Stinger. So how much did you spend on your wedding? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. And you don't want to spend 200 bucks on like your relationship yeah, yeah, to yeah. talk to someone who actually has the skills to help you through it. Yeah. Maybe if you just shrunk the budget by 10%, put it in somewhere and then committed to some education going forwards. Yeah. And if you think about it that way, it's like, how much money did you spend on one day, that one event, mm. one day? And how much money are you putting towards 40, 50 years? Yeah. And when you kind of pull back and say it to people like that, it's like, well, how much do you have a relationship fund? <coughs> and they look at me like I got a third freaking head. 
Hmm. Let alone a second one. Like a third one. They're like, what do you mean relationship fund? Well, how much money do you have aside that you're spending strategically on bettering your relationship every single week, month, or year? Hmm. Mm. Mm. They look at me like, no, I don't know what you're talking about. We don't have one of those. It's hilarious. You know, in the absence of you know, sitting here listening to you, and, and you know, I went through a 12-year relationship, which came to pieces for whole lot of reasons and um, I spent quite an amount of time reflecting upon that all the things that I did and didn't do and what have you and and looking to the future now um, I'm engaged it's it's kind of like and then looking at the outside world because there's nothing like being separated from a long-term relationship to draw everybody in to come and have a chat with you, especially someone like me who does podcasts and talks and, oh, go and have a pint with Bryn, he'll sort you out. <laughs> and, um, and that sort of crap. And um, I, I look back now and start to see, Jesus Christ, you know, like we, we sort of bump into one another. Like you say, we have a shag, we kind of like it, we get attracted for some chemical reason that we can't quite explain. And and then there's then they get almost like this. Oh, well, I want more of that buzz, so I'll just hang around. And and then you you, you do what you should do. Like, oh, mate, you've been with her for like eighteen, twenty-four months. Isn't it about time you popped your ring on it? And and all of that. And then you just just blindly bumble through a valley of darkness. Yes. <laughs> with no torch, mm-hmm. except for when it gets shitty. And and the other thing is is that. Well, your friends around you and, and to a degree your family around you compound it yep. because they've most likely done the same thing. And certainly when you're together at the start, it's all like, it's all like, um, oh, well, you know, he seems happy. Mm-hmm. So let's not rock the boat. That's what my parents were like. Like, Bryn seems like he's happy. Yeah. No, not deeply down. I was deeply sad. I just wanted someone to come and slap me and go... Is, is what the hell really, are you doing? This, what the hell are you doing? You yeah. really should be here. And so there's all of that. And then there's another level on top of it whereby, you know, you watch films and it, it gets to the point of wedding and then happily ever after. Yeah. Well, that's not right. And so, <laughs> and so it, it actually makes blindingly obvious sense when I sat down and thought about it. And now you've added to this that shit, yeah, we don't know. No, because we never taught it. Yeah, and to actually sit there and go, I don't know this, is probably one of the most empowering things. It's also, um, it's really good because it puts you in this place of, oh, if I don't know, then I can go and learn. And it takes a whole lot of weight off your shoulders. Like, oh, crap, what should I be doing now? What's, what's, you know. Yeah. Rather than trying to be a good husband, get good at being a husband. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's the important bit is if you don't know something, you go and learn. Yeah. Right? Like we said, marketing, project management. Ah, relationships. I'll just figure it out. And if I don't got it, you know what? I'll give mom a call and yeah. I'll see what she would do in this situation. Well, just because that's what mom would do in this situation doesn't necessarily mean it's right for you to do in this mm. situation. Do, do you want to repeat your parents? now? <laughs> Parents have been great, and this, that, and the other, but surely the point of, of, of procreating is to evolve past our parents. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've had a exactly. real long conversation with myself about this. Yeah. Evolving past my parents, evolving past my father. Um, 
and, mm-hmm. and not just doing that and not just waiting till the day he dies. I suddenly go, fuck, I'm on my own now. Yes. So it's really interesting for me because um, recently I met someone. I was standing next to someone who is a uh, marriage celebrant. So female marriage celebrant and I, Mm. sexologist, marriage educator, her and I were standing together having this conversation. And then a third acquaintance that we know came up and he's newly engaged. Yeah. Newly, like they'll be married, I think, by the end of the year. And uh, he is on, she will be wife number three. He has two older daughters from previous relationships. He's been with this partner for seven years, but they're only newly engaged. And they have a very young, like two, three-year-old daughter. Cute little kid together. So anyways, we're having this conversation and we say congratulations on the recent engagement. My friend who's the marriage celebrant said, well, if you ever need a marriage celebrant, because I hear you might need one coming up. Here's my card. Would love to, you know, help you guys out if I'm around. He grabs her card and he says, God, that would be lovely. I know she would love to have a female celebrant, blah, 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 blah. Great. So I said, well, you know, if you ever need some relationship education, I'm always around and I'm here. I'm only a phone call away or an email away, you know. He's like, Amanda, we don't need that stuff. And I went, okay. Number three. (laughs) Yeah. Third relationship, you know, seven, eight years together, just now engaged and have a young child together. So on the back of my head, I'm like, oh, you have no clue. Dude, <laughs> you just got to repeat the same cycle. Exactly. But this is what people do. People go, I don't want to talk to a therapist. I don't want to, I don't need relationship education. I should know how to do this. And I'm like, bullshit. Wow. What, is, what is up people's butts that they just kind of go, oh, I, I can't talk to anybody about my relationship. It's so taboo, it's ridiculous. But we're willing to go and learn how to push a baby out of our crotch. And I'm like... Even though the body actually does that. Naturally. Your body will take over and naturally expel a child out of your body. But let's go and pay someone to learn how to do that. But hi, you have no relationship skills except for what you've learned from your parents, caregivers, or Mm. you know, family friends. How you've interpreted it as a young kid and it's all subconscious. Yeah. Um, But... I don't want to learn about that thing since that's a little too mm. close to home. Okay. <laughs> so, oh, three questions. I'm going to go with one. Um, they're, they're all coming out. <laughs> um, given that more often than not, you're at crisis point. Mm-hmm. When is the end of a relationship? When should it finish? Uh, Usually the end of a relationship, unfortunately, is when someone has, when one of the partners, because it's very rare that it happens at the same time. Mm. So it's usually when one of the partners has either emotionally or physically checked out from the relationship completely. You could still be living in the same house together, but as roommates is kind of, it's complacent roommates. Mm. Um, and by the time someone's emotionally or physically che- and or physically checked out, getting the pull to get back into that relationship is really difficult. Like, mm. not really successful. Because one person will really want to still be in the relationship or, okay, now I'm willing to do anything it takes. And the other person's like, why now? Yeah. Like, the hell have you been waiting on? Yeah. Life's too short. Yeah. So they've already either moved on, like they've already mentally 
separated. This per- person's no longer my partner. Um, they've mentally already looked at they've maybe gone there. they've gone. They're gone. They've gone. So there. they've pictured the place without. Yeah, they've pictured another house without this partner. They've pictured themselves with somebody else in a happier relationship. They've, you know, like they have stepped out. Mm. And by the time someone's stepped out, like. It's done. Yeah. More often than not. Yeah. And in, you know, in some cases, someone's physically stepped out and has even maybe found somebody else, um, started a relationship with somebody else, but is still living with their current partner. Because they just don't have the heart to say to them, like, I'm out. Or they've said to them, I'm out. And the partner's like, but no, now I'll work on it. And it's like, okay, you're obviously not hearing what I'm saying. I'll just hang back with you. But this, like, it's not going to go anywhere. Hmm. So, yeah, usually by then it's not good. In the in the relationship education, what are some of the key areas that you sort of dwell on? Uh, there's usually oh. 12 key areas. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's 12 key areas that we Is touch it? on. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and those 12 are. <laughs> Right off the top of my head. Um, those 12, some of them are, well, one of the biggest things is communication. Mm-hmm. That's usually a make or break for a lot of relationships. <coughs> so communication is huge. Um, conflict and conflict resolution. Yep. Assertiveness is really important as well. So how to actually say what you want to say and what you mean to say in a way that your partner will hear it. Um, and listening is actually really important as well because... Mm. I may say something to you, but because of whatever veil you might be wearing, you hear it differently than how I'm Mm. actually intending to say it to you. Mm. So then having a one-way conversation is useless unless I turn around and say, okay, Brent, so what did you hear me say? And then when you repeat it back to me, I can then verify like, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. You know, and then you have (coughs) a really good conversation moving forward. Uh, Finance is usually always discussed because that's really important. So the way you do finance might be different to how I do finance. So how are we going to do finance? Yep. And Um, your relationship with money. Exactly. Huge, huge impact on Mm. your actual relationship. Um, Sex and intimacy is discussed because that's really important. Uh, Family of origin. So Mm. how you were raised and, you know, whether your family was flexible or inflexible, whether your family's connected or disconnected and how, how you see that as being a strength or a growth area and how you would like to move forward with that in, in this relationship. Like you could say, Oh, I felt my family was overly connected. Um, and so I'd like to be connected, but not quite that much. And then explain what it is to your partner and stuff like that. Um, what else? Uh, leisure activities. That's another thing. Like, what are your hobbies? What do you like to do for fun? Because one of the best outcomes of a relationship is continuing to have fun together. Yeah. Because when you're courting and when you're sparking, oh, funny that chances are you were doing really fun, exciting things and having fun together. And it might be, you might be into race cars and I'm like not at all into race cars. And you say, oh, Amanda, let's go to Barbagello or watch Mm. some, you know, Formula One or something like that. Mm. And I like, I have no clue what it's all about. But I just want to be with him, so I'll go, yes. Exactly. And then after a period of time, the truth of the situation is I don't really like my I don't really like it, but you know what? We had a great time together. Yeah. We had a blast. You taught me about it. I didn't realize this much went into it. I didn't realize they had like crazy reflex skills, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's like you start 
you allow yourself to be curious. Yes. And if you come at a relationship from a point of curiosity and stay curious all the way through that relationship, Mm -hmm. it's not going to go south. And you're going to continue to have fun together. Yeah. So that's a big thing. So leisure activities and hobbies. Um, Spiritual beliefs. Now, not saying like you need to be a Mm. religion. It's what are your morals and values? Because the way you were raised and your morals and values, funny that may be different to mine. But how are we going to approach it together in this relationship? And how do we want this to look together? So yes, we can have vastly, we can be polar opposites. But now that we're having a relationship together, and even further down the track, if we have kids together, it's how do we look at this from a a joint effort space that mm-hmm. best suits us as a relationship? Yes. And these are conversations people just fail to have until something big happens. Yeah. And then it's like... Like, let's get married. Yeah, I want to be in a church. Oh, I don't want to be in a church. Yeah, I kind of <laughs> wanted to get married on the beach. Yeah. What do you mean you want to get yeah, married yeah. at a church? No, let's get married on the beach. Oh, well, this isn't going to work. Okay, well, let's talk about why you want to get married oh, in a, a conflict church. As opposed to bigger. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Cool. This is awesome. So cool. those are the kind of things. Um, what else do we... God, there's so many different things we talk about. Um, those are some of the key... Where do boundaries oh, sit in there? Actually, uh, relationship roles and boundaries are really important. So... When you're creating your relationship foundation, that's when you have to create your boundaries as well. So it's kind of like when you have kids. You have kids, right? I have a daughter. A kid? Okay. A kid. Okay. So I have two boys. Now, one of the worst things, and I'm sure if you've ever done parenting courses or spoke to someone or, oh, been a parent yourself, you don't set the boundaries and the rules for your kids when they're 15. Mm. You set them when they're uh, born, three months, six months. You know, you get the little... I don't know, however you want to do it. Timeout mat. You know, you get the little time. Oh, yep. that's it. Sit on the timeout mat or one, two, three magic or whatever it might be. you got to instill the discipline and the tone. Yeah, Very from early. early on. You know the tone? Yeah. The, or the look. up with the, the stare. Look. <laughs> the tone and the stare. The tone and the stare, right? Yeah. So you got to instill them. If you quick. start that from day dot and you follow through with it, mm. then by the time they get to 15, they're not being complete jerks. Yeah. They hear your tone. They see your look. You don't even have to say anything. Yeah. And they're like, oh, you know what? Sorry, can't go to the mall tonight with you. My dad says, uh, I've got to stay home. You know, like they already know without having to ask. Yes. Well, it's the same thing for a relationship. Correct. So you can't go 10 years into a relationship and then go, oh, actually, uh, let's talk about this boundary. Well, I, I've always done this for the last 10 years i've done this yeah so why now a boundary why now exactly so whenever there's um boundaries they need to be set early on and understand the purpose behind them as well uh and then follow through with them and another you know i should i should think that should be done that usually doesn't get done till Mm. much later when it becomes a problem where does um where does um, feeding yourself and your own development and your own growth sit within a relationship? Because previously I was guilty of like, it's all about this and that and then neglecting myself mm-hmm. in it. Um, and so I guess I'm quite sensitive about it. But also 
I participated on a th- on a thread discussion recently about people who um, are leaving corporate careers to try and set something up, a business, become an entrepreneur. Yeah, and it's and it's really lighting them up because now they've gone from nine to five, nine to five, this yeah. and the other, and now they're the master of their own ship and destiny, and they're all like rah, and it's all exciting with these highs and lows and this and that, and they were talking about. How how did you how did your wife how did your partner view, feel about this? feel about yeah. this? Are they on the journey with you going come on come on come on or they want to be like that or are they sitting back going oh shit Dave is different to what he used to be because the last ten fifteen years he's been the corporate guy and all of a sudden Dave the lion has woken yeah. up and like shit like you know and so that was a really good example of of a bigger point mm-hmm. in the fact that. You know, certainly from here on the podcast, I you know I, I talk to one of the major themes that I try to look for in in the discussions with people is where they've had these epiphanies and they're like, oh my god, this is what I really need to do, and I've been playing by life scripts, and now I, now I've woken up, and now I need to act on this, and then poof, and you know it can be amazing and things open up, but then these people around you, most the closest people around you, that you know your, your partner, and then all of a sudden it's like, holy crap, this person's different. And I think to say that that's never going to happen is a complete fallacy. I mean, I believe that we're living at a time when people are, dare I say, you know, expanding and learning so much quicker and having greater epiphanies and and more frequent epiphanies. And so it's not a, oh, will this happen? I just think it will. Mm -hmm. And so how does that turn up in a relationship? So the There's big thing is, if you have open, honest, genuine communication with your partner, mm. then you are fully on board all the way through because you can talk about it mm. honestly ah. without harming each other or the relationship. But what happens is, and why I got a job, people don't do that, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so people go... Well, I got a job at the back end. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. So people go, okay, I'm going to leave the nine to five and I'm going to do entrepreneurship. And, you know, anyone out there who's listening to this who thinks like, I'm going to leave nine to five and do entrepreneurship and I'll have all this time up my sleeve. It, no, not no, for a while. No, no. <laughs> you are your own boss, but you're your own boss for 23 hours of the day and you sleep one. Or, <laughs> you know, like yeah. you you are hustling until you get the foundations down. <laughs> yeah. And that really does make or break a lot of relationships. I have so many people who come in who are entrepreneurs who say, I just, you know, work-life balance, that kind of thing. Like, how do I manage growing my business and still focusing on me and focusing on my relationship? Like, Mm. something's got to give. And it doesn't need to be that way. And I also have a lot of corporate clients who come in who say, my requirements of working in this job as senior level management or CEO. Exactly. They've slowly climbed up the ladder or slowly climbed up up the the ladder ladder. (laughs) or um, climbed up rather quickly. And now they find themselves in the senior management position. And it's like, but I don't really feel I'm being true to myself or true to our relationship. Or we used to do date night a lot. And now I feel like we can't. Well, no, again, that's an excuse. And so like how we started and Ah, said, excuses, yeah, yeah, excuses kill relationships, right? Mm. So I guess for me, one of the biggest things around all of this is kind of, yeah, how are you communicating your wants and needs with your partner? 
Mm. Because the, you're going to have your own individual wants and needs. Your partner's going to have their own individual mm. wants and needs. Are they listening to that? Exactly. And what then you you're going to have relationship wants and needs. Yes. So the idea is in any relationship, you need to be number one. And now this goes against the grain from what a lot of people think. Say that again. You need to be number one. Yes. So in your relationship, you need to be number one. You need to be the happiest version of yourself. Self. So whatever you have to do to make sure that your mental health is good, that your work environment's good, that you're ha genuinely happy, healthy, that you know, you're working out, you're eating healthy, mm. you're doing taking care of you. Yeah, so that's that's number one that's priority. Your shit that you need to own and deal with Absolutely. And take responsibility for. Hope. Yeah, so you're number one. The, the stuff that you would have to whether the relationship was there or not. Exactly. Because then if you're the best version of you, you can be you can provide that best version to the relationship. Mm. So if you have two people who are the best versions of themselves oh. providing the best to the relationship, you're going to end up with a hell good relationship, right? That's but what happens is people get into a relationship and go, I'll bend over backwards for my partner. I'll give up me and all the things I love doing in my hobbies and my mm. whatever, my social life, my blah, 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 so that I can spend more time with my partner and be with my partner because that's what you're supposed to do in relationships, right? Bum, bum. No. So then people give all of themselves to their relationship. Yes. Neglect themselves. Yes. Become gradually unhappier, unhappier, unhappier. And then develop a resentment because it was you who made me give up my hobbies. It was because of you. I spent more time with you instead of going out to dance, instead of going out to be with my girlfriends, instead of da, da, da. So then a level of resentment creeps in. Yeah. And then the relationship goes to shit. Yes. Because now I resent you and I don't get to hang out with my yeah. friends and or be happy with me. these are like to do and this is what I'm presenting and there's the tension yeah. in the middle. And then the relationship goes to shit and then you're left on your own actually still reeling in pretty unhappiness yes because you think your happiness is so far away from where you currently are because it is because you gave up who you are on it for the relationship yeah. which you should never ever do yeah and then you're left on your own with a person yourself who you don't know yep you got it yep super alive so then when you're the best version of you and your partner is the best version of them, mm. and then you have the best version of your relationship, then if you bring kids into the mix, you too are the best versions of yourselves and you have the best version of the relationship to have the best family possible. Mm. Whereas that's the other mistake people make is people have kids and then they go, my priority is my kids. Mm. And then where are you on that list of priorities? And where's the relationship? Exactly. On that list of priorities. Yeah. So if you are the best version of you, you'll have the best version of your relationship. You'll so then like be able to have the best version of your relationship. Absolutely. Mm. And it all comes back down, like you said, to the origin of taking responsibility for the best version of yourself. Yep. Because fundamentally, if you are if you are happy in yourself... You yeah. look forward to having a relationship. Yeah. You look forward to hanging out with your partner who's also happy, hanging out with your kids or doing things or going camping or you know, whatever it might be, going to the movies, kicking a football around, whatever it is, mm. you actually look forward to it as opposed to 
if your priority is your kid and you go, oh, I've got to take them to this event or that event and oh, I haven't seen my husband or spoken to him in months and da, da, and it's like we share a house together mm. and I'm really internally unhappy. Uh, not a life I want to live, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> like check out and that's pretty much what people do. Yeah. So they check out and then they refocus. So they they check out, but they're still in the relationship. So they're still in the house or they're still in the same bed. But then what they do is they're so unhappy with the relationship and unhappy with who they've become. Mm. And if they have kids in that situation, they just wholeheartedly focus on the kids. Yes. I'll drive the kids everywhere. I'll drive the kids here. I'll go no, to that I've now event with the them. I'll become the master to the kids and the relationship and this, that, and the other until you hit a snapping point. And then you have a choice because you either spend some time reflecting on where it all went and this, that, and the other, or great phrase that a friend of mine put you monkey bar your way straight into another one. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, that was a great analogy I was given recently about um, we are projectors onto a screen. And so instead of going, oh, what am I projecting onto the screen? It's like, oh, I'll change the screen for another screen because that will change the movie. No, it won't. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so therefore, yeah, because I've long had this, I've long had this sort of, I, I thought it's quite militant, but I actually think it's, it's just commonsensical that it's always incumbent upon us to spend at least 10, 20 minutes each day being quite introspective and reflective of who we are, where we are and how we're showing up and how we're performing and where do we want it all to go. Yep. And again, to not do that just means you're wandering around in the valley dark. Almost haphazardly. Yes. And like, it really... And we're so creative when we focus. It it kind of saddens me when people come in and because, again, it's set. So let's say you have that, you know, not so great situation where you're putting all your effort and focus on the kids, your relationship's gone to the wayside, but you're still in the relationship yes. and, um, kind of you're a mess because you on the list of priorities is way down there. Mm. Then the kid leaves the house, the kids grown up, gone to university, college, whatever, gone traveling overseas yeah. and you leave the house. And then I have these essentially middle aged mothers mm. come to see me who are um at a loss because they don't know who they are they yeah. don't know they don't fundamentally say know who they are yeah. it's like i don't know who i am my entire identity revolved around mm. being a mom to my child who has now left yes now what do i do oh we're back at the identity level this is a recurring theme in my podcast at the moment. there you go <laughs> Yeah. And yeah. it's a huge thing. So people come in and say, I want to be happy. Okay. Well, you need to define what happy is because what yeah. happy means to you and what happy means to me yeah. might be vastly different things. So you need to define what happy is for you. And then what does that look like? So I need something tangible to say in order to be happy, I need to be doing this. It might be taking a shower every morning. It might be doing your makeup. It might be doing your hair. It might be having a cup of coffee with a friend every day. Whatever mm. it is, you have to be able to say, I know I'm happy when, or I know I'm the best version of myself when. And really creating that identity of who you are is important and not letting it just disappear because you're in a relationship or because you have kids. 
Because when the kids are gone or the relationship is legitimately over, you're left there on your own. And that's a really sad situation. Mm. If In a relationship which, which you don't know either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What are the different phases of a relationship? And, and do we need to... Obviously, we've talked about... The spark. Know, the spark. The <laughs> spark. You know, the shagging. And, <laughs> and I'll come yeah. to the motor racing. And all of that. And do you see different phases as... There's definitely go- transitions in a relationship. So there's like the spark. That, mm. that one kind of everyone really knows. And the courting period. <laughs> so spark and courting period. And then there's usually like an acclimatization period. It's like... You know, I feel as though, which is very wrong, but I feel as though we've asked each other all the questions and I know you really well and I know you like a squeeze of lemon in your water in the morning or, you know, like whatever. I feel like I know you. So then what happens is the questions die off or the dating dies off or the courting dies off Mm. a little bit. And it really shouldn't. Mm. But that's another phase is that this kind of like acclimatization of the relationship. I've become accustomed to you and us and this is kind of nice and soft and comfortable and you know mm, not really good that's the that's the yeah ground for the yeah so that's one transition and then the relationship usually goes through additional transition so if the relationship chooses to have kids that's usually another transition of how you're going to navigate one two or multiple kids um Another transition is a work environment. So if you met younger and you were students and then you're getting into a real job and then maintaining that job and then then as you climb up a corporate ladder, all those transitions along the way are going to impact on your relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, If there's any physical uh, illness within each partner, uh, death of parents or... Mm or best friends or things like that. So another transition that we actually look at is right. how are you going to manage that? Like so my parents live in Canada. Yeah. So it's more transitions than phases. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's really like these life transitions and how are you going to, mm. how those, are you going to navigate them? Those foundations from what you were talking about, you know, the, those, those things that you rattle, uh, rattled off earlier on. Yeah. If they're in place. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's the whole thing. So if you get relationship education, early Mm. set the foundation for your relationship then when any crisis or anything does occur like oh shit we have to fill in the blank you already have such a great foundation laid out that you know how to talk about it or chances are you've already talked about it and now you just have to action it so um like for me, my parents are in Canada and they're getting on in their years. My mm. mom's a, a lot younger than my dad. Um, and my husband's uh, dad and his stepmom live in Australia. But it's like if my parents died or one or the other died, I have to go to Canada. Like it's not a, oh, we'll wait till we have enough money and then I'll just show. No, like if one of them dies... I'm getting on a plane and I'm going. Yeah. And even last year, my dad was really sick and we thought something might occur. Like we thought, surely he's going to die. He kind of, the doctor gave him an expiration date and said he probably won't make it. Yeah. He goes, he probably won't make it to July. And we're like, okay. So up I go. Hey kids, get in the, get in the plane and we're out. You know, there's no question about it. It's not a, oh, do you think we can... Oh, maybe we should. It's 
these are foundation things that we discussed that mm. if anything ever occurred, this is the move. This is the This is what we're going to do. Yeah. This is the response plan. And so it's already happened. So it it's, yes, a crisis occurred, but then it's a quick conversation with my husband that says, hey, babe, just heard about this crisis and I think it's going to require me going home. Mm. Are you happy for me to go alone or do you think I should bring the boys or, you know, like, so we've already had that conversation. So if he turned around and said, oh, well, actually, you know, the kids are in school. Let's keep them in school. I'll manage them while you're gone. Don't worry about it. Mm. Cool. No problem. If he turns around and he goes, well, it happened over um, uh, school holiday break. So he goes, well, there's two weeks and then it's school holiday break. So just pull them out. They, they'll miss yeah, two yeah, weeks of school. Fair. No big deal. It's not like they're doing, uh, you know, year 12 finals or anything. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you feel more comfortable traveling with the boys travel with them they can make some memories with your dad just in case and i went awesome great done turned around to the school the next day said by the way the boys are going to be pulled out in two days time and we're flying out You're making those and moves. it was done and i said to my husband like do you want to come as well and he's like no i'm cool i'm i'm good to stay here you know i just seen your dad over at christmas so we're good i understand the importance of you being home yeah thanks babe i'm out so it wasn't like Check, check, check. Yeah. It was just crisis that we had previously talked about and mentioned and go, well, if it does occur, we've kind of already talked about it and we mm. might have to make a few more adjustments, you know? And then we did. Because if you're not, if you've not got the foundations, you've not had the plan, that occurs and it's like, oh, what we're doing, what we're doing. Yeah. You're emotional because, it, because things happen to your dad. Husband's like, oh crap, what's the best move? What's the, how can I support it? And then it's all stress. And then if, if things don't go to plan and then dad passes away and an opportunity is missed, then oh, ingrained resentment forever. Exactly. And then that's going to follow your relationship for the next however many yeah. years you're together. Leading to curtains and all sorts. Yeah. And that's exactly it. So if you have the opportunity to work on all this stuff as the relationship is developing... Same as you go down to the gym and work on yourself. You got your it. Bicep curls, like yeah, that. and then you know you have muscle memory. You develop, you know, go to the gym, do your bicep curls. You get muscle memory, and then it goes away for a little bit. You might get busy with you yeah. know other life or whatever. And then if you go back to the gym, oh, guess what? There's muscle memory. Yeah. So that muscle will come back a little quicker. You know, like so it's you've already kind of touched on it once. Oh, it's here again. You know that kind of thing. Tell me about your, um, the essence of your TED talk whereby uh, a date night is cheaper than divorce. <laughs> Just briefly. It was, it was a little controversial because I... I loved it. I was really clear that I wanted date night was cheaper than a divorce. Yeah. And uh, was told that that was pretty controversial. And I kind of thought, well, that's kind of TED, you know. It, it's to get people to sit up and think about oh, what's yeah. being said. And so I had done, I've seen obviously too many people on the crisis end as opposed to the mm. education end. And I know that, and there's great research to support it, that if you, if you do continue to do date night, if you do continue to work on the spark, you're not going to end up in a divorce. You're going to learn the skills you need in order to have conversations in your relationship and get closer and, and stay connected. And I also know what divorce costs. And people say to me, oh, well, you know, you just go to a lawyer, you pay the fee, you sign the forms. No, 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 no. The cost of divorce is selling a house, buying a new house, renting, uh, going from potentially one car to now 
two cars because you both need a car or mm. going from only having two couches to now having a couch set in your house and a couch set in her new house or you know like there's <laughs> the cost of divorce is huge huge and you know if you have kids it becomes even more expensive mm. so when i started actually looking into it and i did i'm a really i'm a true academic at heart so for me i looked at all the research behind it and if you do actually spend money on your relationship it's not going to end up in a divorce because you're going to skill up and get strategies and all these other cool things so you can negate a divorce almost hmm. whereas people initially think oh well date night's expensive like i got to pay for a babysitter and then maybe we go out to dinner and that's expensive and we got to pay for the you know the uber ride out there or something and that's expensive or whatever it, like people go just going on a date's expensive yeah well a divorce is a shitload more expensive mm. so if you just go on a regular date and it could be again we live in one of the most beautiful places in the world yeah, yeah. go down to the beach go to king's park hang out have a walk, have a, yeah, have a walk. there's a beautiful river or an ocean walk around it you know like you won't walk around the ocean but you can walk around the river yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> there's so many low to no cost ways mm. that people can enjoy each other's company and I think what happens is people become very dis disillusioned in their own relationship and they go, yeah, but what would we, what would we talk about? Why would we go on a date? Well, you don't ever know everything about your partner. And <coughs> even if you asked a question at the start of the relationship, doesn't mean that that's how you feel yeah, you're going to answer. Exactly. You're, chances are you're going to answer differently. And there's so many questions to ask and stay curious. That's my thing. It's like, Henry Ford, all, way back in the day, always said, stay curious, because your mind can always expand if you stay curious. And mm. I think it's the same thing in a relationship. If you stay curious in your relationship, it's not going to fizzle out. Because I'm going to say, like, who would, if you could have anybody, dead or alive, at the dinner table with us tonight, who would you want to have and why? Mm. I'm going to say not too many people have asked that question in their relationship. Some people have, but not too many people have. And if you start asking questions like that, and then you go, oh, that's, that's fascinating. Why that person? Because my answer is this one, you know, and yeah. then it develops better communication. So disconnect, put your phones down. You don't need a phone. You have like for in our situation, we have two kids. You hire a babysitter. I am paying someone a lot of money to watch my children. And if my house burns down, I am paying that person to call a fire truck. Yeah. And if my kids get sick or break an arm, I am paying that person to have a car to drive my kids to a hospital or call an ambulance. Yeah. Like, I don't need to have my phone on me do at all times. I'm paying this person to do a job. They can write me a little note to say, by the way, we've gone blah, blah, blah. Or they could text me, but my phone's going to be in my purse and I'm not going to look at it until I need to be looking at it, like on the way home or something. You know, so there's things like that that people go, oh, but I have to have my phone on me. No. Sit down and have dinner with your partner. Look at your partner in their eyes and have a conversation. Mm. Um, just sit in a park and talk to each other. You know, all these things. But again, people are like, but what am I going to talk to my partner about? Hmm. 
if you're struggling with what to talk to your partner about, come and see me. <laughs> That's, <true. laughs> That's it. That's it. That's my blog. Come and see me because you should never, even like 40 years on, it shouldn't be a, oh, we have nothing to yeah. talk about. Bullshit. You have heaps to talk about. You're just choosing not to. How do you see the state of relationships in Western Australia? Uh, good Honestly. question. <laughs> Western Australia is a little bit different to other parts of the country because we do have a very strong FIFO, so fly in, fly out um, base here. And you need rock solid foundations. You need rock solid foundation. Oh, guess what? Geology. No, <laughs> <laughs> rock solid foundation uh, in your relationships, really mm. to to support and maintain a FIFO relationship. Um, there's heaps of benefits to a FIFO relationship. Um, however, there's also heaps of drawbacks. Mm. And if the drawbacks are not managed appropriately or discussed in an open, honest, and genuine manner then that can mean the demise of your relationship. Mm. And so, again, because I know that we live in a society that people don't want to see a relationship educator and wait till, you know, the crisis end to come and see somebody, if people, especially FIFO relationship people, um, got relationship education and created their foundation early in their relationship, we wouldn't have near the divorce rates we wouldn't we have we wouldn't have near the mental health issues we have we wouldn't have all mental this mental health of issues major mental health issues so depression anxiety um currently in australia one in five uh people will experience a major mental illness within the mm. year so anxiety depression substance use and personally that's way too high yeah and we also know that if you talk about it or you get help or those kind of things are really, really important. And the number one person that you could and should be talking to is your partner. And so in Western Australia, we do tend to have a little bit of a higher divorce rate than the rest of the country. Uh, and I think in reality, it's kind of around the FIFO situation. Uh, and it's just not managed properly. And if anyone... They're a really great candidate. Anyone in a FIFO relationship is a really great candidate for relationship education. And just saying, how do we lay the right foundation so that when I am gone for two, three, four weeks at a time, how do we manage that? And then when I am back, how do we manage that without any resentment or without any um, issues pertaining to the relationship mm. that may have come up while you're gone? Yeah, because you've spent four weeks flat out at work. You want to get, you want a bit of you time. Yeah. But the <laughs> flip side is whoever stayed time. home yeah. has spent four weeks flat out With managing the, kids, the house, the, the, the kids, kids and life. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's the same argument, but it sounds different mm. when you're hearing it. Yeah. So one partner might go, well, I just spent, you know, four weeks of doing 16 hour days and I'm exhausted. Yeah. Sharing yeah. a donga with a dude. and Exactly. Yeah. Well, I've just spent four weeks of doing yeah. 24 hour days with yeah. two kids and I'm exhausted. Yeah. And so what happens and even is 24 hour, even the 24 hour period is, is a microcosm of that. I've just been at work all day. I've just been with the kids all day. Yeah, exactly. And so it becomes a resentment issue. And we know resentment is like one of those relationship killers. Mm. because it's what's said and unsaid or not yeah really what's unsaid mm. uh and then assumptions Lies and of omission, oh than... big time yeah. 
Yes. So, yeah, so it, it really puts relationships on the back burner. And, you know, some relationships are great and they go, oh, I can't wait for my partner to come home. And then other situations, it's like, oh, my partner's home for a week. I can't wait for him to go back up on site. That's not good. No, no. not at all. But there's, again, there's the golden handcuffs that we all know too well of being a FIFO worker. Mm. And then... If you leverage up your lifestyle to meet that. Exactly. And then because recently we've gone through a really bad spell in mining, especially in Western Australia, where it was very difficult to get a permanent job or a job. And so if you've leveled up your lifestyle and then you've lost your job or, you know, you can't maintain that lifestyle, that becomes another huge issue and impact on the relationship. Finance. Yeah. Oh, funny that finance and we can't afford our house and we have to move and we can't afford two cars. We can, we have to decrease down to one car. Well, how do you do that? Oh, and we can't afford healthcare insurance anymore. So what do you do? And we can't afford like it just, when you've spoken about that foundation early on and then you can say, Hey, we've already talked about it. Now the crisis is coming up. You're about to lose your job. What do we do? Where's our nest egg? What have we, you know, how do we, navigate this hmm. then it's not that big of a problem but because the foundation isn't talked about problem hmm. becomes massive how have you managed to build your profile business beyond just the consulting room because uh, there you are you know you're on stage at TEDx where I first, <laughs> where I first sort of saw you I was like ooh but um and I had a series on ABC too. So that was fun called Lukewarm Sex with the comedian Luke McGregor. That was really fun. So it was called Lukewarm Sex and it was super fun. How have I built up? Um, I would say first and foremost with a ridiculously supportive and understanding husband. Right. So that is, I always give crazy amount of credit to him um, because there's no way possible would I be able to do what I do how I do it and the hours I do it in unless he was supportive of my situation and where I'm at mm. um so my husband is like a rock solid foundation for me and really supportive he sees my vision and uh where it will get me and where it will get us and where it'll get our family and he supports me through that um there's always going to be some ups and downs vision? Uh, I have, like, I love to travel, so I am an international speaker, and I do travel quite a lot. I probably travel roughly seven months out of the year, um, speaking at conferences and running workshops and all that kind of stuff literally around the world, mm. and I love it, and that, you know, if all of a sudden we had this, you know, relationship conversation and it was, you need to stay at home. Oh. I don't know how well that would go over. Mm. Um, it's it's not something that I really feel. I I couldn't be a nine to five, sit down at home, raise your kids, yeah. be a housewife. I just couldn't do that. So for us, um, we've kind of found a way that I can travel the amount I do travel, and that when I am home, I really focus on family. So school holidays. 
I don't work during school holidays. I take that time and we go on camping trips together as a family and we fully disconnect. No phones, no computers, no iPads, nothing like that. Um, we take overseas holidays that we go as a family. So whenever I am in town, it is fully relationship and family focused. And whenever I'm out of town, he picks up the slack essentially because he lives it very much like a FIFA relationship. He He's there for the kids. He brings them to their sports things. He gets them up in the morning and gets them to school and all that other kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so I think it's also understanding that balance, which is really, really important. And um, knowing it's not just for me. The mm. bigger picture is for us. It's not just because Amanda wants to go travel. Yeah, Amanda wants to travel, therefore take care of the kids. No, yeah. it's not that. And, and in reality, although travel sounds great... Yeah. It sounds wonderful. Yeah. Uh, however, it's like, um, I'll, I'll give you an example. So, I was a management consultant in England. Travel is not so glamorous. Yeah. So people are like, oh, wow, you travel seven months out of the year. I'm like, okay, so here's an example. I went to, I did a training in Bali last year, which again, people are like, oh, ah. And I was in Ubud in the middle of the forest and it was stunningly beautiful. Th that's pretty much the extent of it. Because I flew into town. I take the, you know, two hour taxi to the hotel. I get there very late at night. Mm. I set up the room for the training. The training is a four day training. It goes from eight o'clock in the morning till nearly 7.30 at night. Close up from the training, everybody leaves. I'm the trainer, so I'm the last to leave. So really I'm not leaving till nearly 8.30, nine o'clock at night. Yep. Go back to my hotel room. Uh, at that point, order some food. Decompress. And, and decompress from the day, yeah. Um, don't go for a swim because I'm kind of exhausted. Get some food in me because I realize that eating kind of important. <laughs> go to sleep. And then I'm up again the next morning at 6 a.m. Doing the training all over again. So four days of training, eating late at night, going to bed, waking up, doing the same thing. And then as soon as the training is done, taking a two-hour taxi ride back to the airport, getting to the airport in time in order to check in, and then getting on an airplane. However, I have to say I was pretty excited. I got a massage at the airport. Right. <laughs> so people are like, oh, it's so glamorous. You probably like well, that's just... Five, that's like five days, five, six days. Yeah. yeah. So you spend your day like, you know, relaxing and getting a massage and getting your nails done. And get... I'm like, no, actually, I got a foot massage at the airport waiting for my plane to take off mm. so I, it, I, was, I was working on yeah <laughs> so it's so people are like oh it's so glamorous mm. and mm. i'm like no it's i i fly out somewhere when i speak at conferences over east i fly out i arrive i speak at a conference i maybe stay for lunch and i get back to the airport and i fly back to perth to be at home with my kids for dinner you know, mm. so it's a lot of travel, but not a lot of vacation in yes. in that sense when I'm working. Yeah. And so when I'm not working, I love being on vacation mode with my kids. Mm. So, yeah. So through all of your work, what are some of the key things you've learned about yourself? <laughs> uh, one of the funniest things my husband, my husband actually brought to my attention. So... He knows that I see clients and I see clients till very late at night. So usually till about 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I can start seeing clients from six o'clock in the morning. So, and the reason I see clients early and late is because most people don't want to say, oh, we're taking off to see our therapist during the day. Like you don't want to take off at work. Mm. And mm. it would be two people who have to take time off. 
because mm -hmm. I see couples. So I do early mornings and late nights. And um, all my husband knows is that I'm seeing clients. So I'll say, oh, I'll be home tonight at 9.30 or I'll be home, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So there was a spate of time that I was going home and, you know, we kind of debrief and sit on the couch and, you know, have a have a cup of coffee or tea at night. And he said, he said to me, he goes, oh, you saw couples tonight, didn't you? As opposed to like an individual or a one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I had quite, like I had three couples back to back tonight. And he's like, oh, how nice. And so I guess it was just a comment that he said just like that. And I was like, how does he know I saw couples? Like, he doesn't see my schedule. He doesn't see my clients' names or anything. So yeah. I'm like, how does he know? Hmm, I'm going to have to ask him that. So this went on for like maybe two or three weeks. And he said, oh, you saw client, or you saw couples again tonight, didn't you? And I was like, okay, what's up? How, <laughs> how do you know I saw couples he's <laughs> like because when you come home you're so much nicer to me <laughs> 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 and i was like oh and he goes no don't get me wrong like you're usually yeah. really nice to me but on the days that you see couples you tend to be just like a notch nicer and i'm like really so i really started to reflect on it mm. and i recognize that as i see couples I kind of, I do tend to value my own relationship. So like, it kind of gives me something as well. Do, yeah. Because I go, you know, I see these people on crisis point as opposed to on, you know, spark courting point. And I think, God, I never, ever want my relationship to get to that point. I never want to yell at my husband or belittle my husband or degrade my husband in the way that some of my clients do. Mm. and they do it in front of me like they they show me their worst sides and it really kind of gives me insight which is great because i i can help them and learn the skills and implement it in their relationships mm. to move forward but what it does for me personally is it goes you're not at this point keep valuing your relationship and keep on top of your relationship so that you never do get to this point yes so I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is that it's seeing clients is very valuable to me personally, because then I go home and I really make sure I implement what I say to implement. Mm. So I always say I practice what I preach and I, I legitimately do. And then the more I see clients, the more I really do, because right. then I go, I don't want my relationship to be like this. Mm. Yeah. What does the next three to five years look like? For a <gasps> Exciting. Exciting. Uh, a few book launches, which is great. So a few more books on on the way, which is really exciting. I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, one is Neuron Press. So it's like it should be out by my birthday, which is in July. Cool. So uh, Disconnect to Reconnect. So finding the time to actually disconnect from your technology and mm. and life in general to reconnect in your relationship which is important uh one other one is kind of making its way around the rounds right now for a release hopefully in january so that's that's on the on the horizon uh a lot more travel I love speaking at conferences and I love speaking out and doing workshops and facilitation so that people really do get the best out of their relationships and mm. make sure that they're on point with their mental health. Um, so next three to five years is 
you know, watch the space. Exciting times ahead. More books. You'll probably see a lot more of me, which I'm totally okay with. Yes. Yeah, I'll have you back. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so constantly growing. I think that's, I don't see it as I've hit a really nice plateau and I just want to stay here. It's, I always look forward and think, you know, what, what more can I do? How much more exciting can this get? How can I better what's going on in the Mm. world around relationships and and mental health and grief and loss and life transitions and how do I help people do that? Mm. What do you do to keep yourself grounded? Because it's all very heady great stuff. Um, So one of my favorite things to do is to watch movies. So I will regularly take myself to a movie. So if my husband, if I'm in town and my husband's at work and my kids are at school, um, I'll either take myself to the movies and just zone out and watch a movie, which I love to do. Um, I will get massages. Mm. I think that's a really nice way to kind of just clear your mind and get back in touch with yourself. Uh, so massages are another really good thing. And I love to just put headphones on, listen to dance music and walk. So I'll walk around a block and, but you'll see me kind of like grooving out. (laughs) Like it's not just like a speed walk. It's like a grooving out to the music. Potentially you might hear me singing out loud (laughs) if Mm. you're close enough and I don't notice you. (laughs) So uh, that's really, I kind of stay grounded that way. And uh, I think anytime you have kids, they're a really great grounding source too. Because it's like, yeah, mom is, you know, this international speaker and travels the world and da 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 da. I don't care about that. But I don't care about that. (laughs) Mom, you're just a mom. And, you know, you're here to sign off on my homework and hang out with me and show up at, you know, special friends days and, you know, stuff like that. So, yeah, kids are my grounding force and just hanging with my husband's awesome just yeah chill time and hang and one of the last questions i a bit asking my guests if you could take one little nugget of information and upload it into the collective consciousness so everyone just gets it what would that be <laughs> um relationship education is the most important thing you can do for your relationship the most important thing just yeah so that is like all the other stuff is just material bullshit and it's Mm. like if you could if you want to have the best relationship possible ever learn how to have that relationship Mm. so don't just sit and expect it to turn up and come through the front door yeah like oh i put all this hard work into getting my partner it's all great all good all done now I can sit back and really, no, <laughs> no relationship education is worth its weight in gold. And if you value yourself and if you value the relationship and you want the relationship to last, which most people do, there's just an assumption of mine, but mm. most people get into a relationship hoping it will last. Um, get some relationship education. There's great education, educators around the world. Um, get on board, make sure they're actual relationship educators make sure that they have some skills and knowledge behind them uh don't just kind of go to anyone who's put up a sign in their door saying that maybe they can do it Mm. check them out make sure they're legit make sure that they actually know what they're doing and then go from there what's where's some of the best places we can go here in WA. Uh, Obviously me, yourself. <laughs> uh, me, yeah. feel free to give yeah. me a call. Uh, yeah. Book yourself in on my website. No. <laughs> um, in WA, there's there's actually a heap of us. There's a, a good amount of relationship educators. 
And I think for me, it's, you know, if they're Gottman trained, so that's a good thing to look at. Gottman. So Gottman, Julie and John Gottman are a husband and wife out of Seattle. <coughs> and they are by, fo- by far the most prolific relationship researchers, academic researchers. Mm. Um, and they have a training program. So if the, if the educator or the therapist or counselor is Gottman trained, that's a really good Gold starting standard. point. Yeah, definitely yeah. gold standard. Um, if they are prepare enrich trained, so prepare enrich is a program that is run again worldwide. Um, but there's some really amazing. I'm a facilitator in the state of WA, but there's some amazingly well trained uh, facilitators in prepare enrich. That's to me again program worth its weight in gold and it's strategically for relationship education Mm. so how to set the foundation you do a little inventory some people call it a test it's not a test it's an inventory of a whole bunch of questions and you just do it that way so looking for someone who's prepare and rich trained is really important as well um and looking for someone who specializes in relationships don't just go to you know joe blow down the street who is pretty good at depression yeah, depression, anxiety, relationships, sexual dysfunction. Yeah, the whole like the whole gambit. That legitimately, you see exactly. Legitimately, go for someone who specializes yeah. in this area. Don't go for somebody who specializes in you know teen mental health. Well, that's yeah. not going to help your relationship. Huh. <laughs> you know, so uh, there's a few little caveats like that. That if you look for someone who has knowledge and training in prepare and rich, someone who has knowledge and training in Gottman therapy. Um, and then, you know, someone who really focuses on couples, mm. I would say is those are three big ticks I would look for before I ever gave any of my relationship information out to somebody. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. It's been an absolute, absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Likewise. Thanks for having me. No, no, thank you. It's, um, I just feel like I've had this amazing opportunity to tap into all of this knowledge and just, but what's what's most striking is is how bloody straightforward it is it's not rocket science yes and that's what i say to people the it almost strikes me as like the the journey might present its challenges yeah you know, and that's part of the human experience but the process the 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 things that you can go and do about it are it's just very straightforward and the underlying concept of the fact that if you want a great relationship, and why would you want anything less? Exactly. Because it's expensive and crappy, and you're going to die sooner. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, summarizing what we've been talking about. But if you, if you, you know, why would you want that for yourself? Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, zoom, turn it on your head. Go and get yourself skilled up. Go and learn it. Go and have some of those difficult conversations. Work your way through it. Work your way how to do it. And also, Remember. once you have the skill... Be consistent in applying them. Mm. So it's not just like grab the book, read it, put it on the shelf, never look at it again. I do relationships now. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I got this. No, it's consistently apply. Doing it. And then when you, when you kind of falter on applying it because you've, you know, you're falling slowly back into your habits, be comfortable enough with your partner to say, oh, this is one of those things I need now. knowing it's not going to harm each other or the relationship like hey babe this is could you help out with this or oh i totally forgot sorry you know like Mm. those kind of things so consistently applying those strategies and skills is really important 
If anyone wants to find you, where can they find you? They can find me uh, in Perth, Western Australia, or somewhere else around the world while <laughs> yeah. I'm traveling. Uh, but you can go to my website. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go to my website, amandalambros.com. Uh, mm. And you can find out all about me and the services I offer. And you can even book straight online. My entire calendar is on my website. So amandalambros.com. Or find me on Instagram or find me on Facebook or, you know, like, I'm everywhere. Type in, just go to Google, type yeah. in Amanda Lambros. You're bound to find me somewhere and get and in touch. You watch TEDx talk. Absolutely. Watch TED Ed, my TEDx talk. Date night's cheaper than a divorce. Yeah. Add to my numbers. That'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe watch a little bit of lukewarm sex on ABC. I know you can download that on mm. ABC iView. There you go. Uh, so, yeah. It's all that. Yeah. And buy the book when it comes out. Absolutely buy the book. For sure. Uh, so, yeah. There we go. Amanda, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks, Brent. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries.